Come and join the adventures of the magical space pussycats. Exploring bookish horizons and having in-depth lady chats. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Magical Space Pussycats. Today we are going to talk about some award nominations happening. It's Hugo time and it's Booktube SFF Awards time. We will also be talking a little bit about um, an, a kerfluffle with a kind of fake review of Uncanny Magazine. And then I am going to share with you guys a special new thing that I am doing in case you haven't heard of it yet. Uh, and then after that, we will be talking about Foreigner by C.J. Cherry and all of the feelings that we had about that book <laughs> before we end with what we're reading next for the podcast, as well as just in our own personal lives. So to go ahead and get started, it is award season. Uh, it is time to nom for the Hugo Awards. By the time this goes up, you'll probably have probably another couple weeks to do it. It ends in, what, the middle of March, right? Mm, Nomination period, closing. Something, Something like that. Around. So get your get your reading done, get your ballots in. Uh, probably more importantly, obviously, than the Hugos is the obviously. BookTube SFF Awards, though, basically. Oh, sure. Um, and that is happening. Those nominations close before this is up. <laughs> so sorry about that. But also you can still join us for all the read-alongs. Um, thoughts, ladies? Thoughts on just yeah. the state of awards well, in general? Well, if you don't know what the BookTube SFF Awards are, we organize What them. have you been doing with your life? Yeah. What, are, what, are, what, are, what are you missing? <laughs> um, they're open to nominations for the shortlist, like for a couple of weeks, which like Chelsea said, will be closed. But then the shortlists come out and we do read-alongs and it's super exciting and fun and there's videos mm -hmm. and challenges. And so far it's looking like an interesting bunch. I'm really pleased with what's been coming in that I can't talk about yet. Yep. <laughs> and we are, the BookTube SFF Awards covers adult novels, young adult novels, graphic work, short fiction. And this year we are adding a middle grade category. So we are kind of, hitting all of the ages and stages and formats of media so yeah um, um, i did want to ask you guys to yes to, to join mm -mm. in you, you can just nope. join in Bookish yeah, you don't even have to be like an SFF reader, like specifically, although we are looking for some of the SFF titles that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you guys if you had thoughts about, I know we talked about it when it was proposed, but the series award for the Hugos? We and, did discuss it. And, and we didn't <laughs> I'm just wondering if you guys have thought about if you might nominate or what you might nominate. Yeah, That's the I'm one where I'm nominate. like, I don't really know. I'm I don't really know what to nominate. in that one, which... I'm quite excited about actually because Emma Newman tweeted and said that the Split World series is eligible. So I was like, oh, I read book four, which is the new one. And <laughs> I've read cool. them all and I bloody love it. Like so much in love with this series. So I'm going to nominate mm -hmm. that one, I think. And then, yeah. cause I wanted, cause is Lady Trent eligible? That's one of the ones I wanted Ooh, to nominate. Probably. Cause that had a book come out last oh, year. It did. Yeah. But it's not the end of the series. But then that's no, and see, this is the, the world that's song. my question. Does it have to be the end book in a series or does it just have to be a book in the I series? I think it just has to be a book because the Split Worlds one isn't the end one either and she definitely said it was eligible, so. I find this very complicated because I happened to have a look at the Hugo uh, eligibility criteria yesterday. And mm -hmm. 
so for the best novel award or best whatever they call it, mm-hmm. you can nominate an entire series if a single work from the series has not also been nominated because they say it's it's about the story. So if the mm-hmm. story is the series, it doesn't matter that it's over nine books. It's just come in mm-hmm. pieces. So you can nominate it as one work for best novel. Uh, so if then the series is messing with that categorization, which is very interesting in a sort of weird technical... As somebody mm-hmm. who now has to consider the technicalities of what goes in what category. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just kind of fascinated me and like, what are they doing about that? Because at what point does something become eligible for series? And if we vote for it in series, is it now no longer eligible in best novel? Yeah. Or like, can yeah. you... I'm wondering if there's a year where it could win both? Both, exactly. Like when, win, like when Winds of Winter comes out, it could like legit obviously win both. like could it win both best novel and get Martin best series Maybe, in the same yeah. year? From I have what we no understand. idea. Hmm. See what George R. R. Martin does not need is more like literary awards to put on his giant shelf. So <laughs> not that I have any problem with like, you know, Game of Thrones in general, but I'm just like that seems a little yeah, considering that they were fussing about the best YA award because they don't do by marketing, it's by length. I was like, well, you've already got... Uh, but the problem mm-hmm. is they want to award series, but people keep nominating a single book from a series. Book, yeah. And it's like, mm. because you want to award that as well, because it's a great book. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, I can see it, but you do get into these weird complexities where you go round mm-hmm. and round in a circle going, but what does that I mean? I just feel like... Like, it really sucks, but, like, Peter Jackson had to wait till Return of the King came out before he got all his Oscars. I just feel like... If, if, I just feel like you should have to wait. Like, I just feel like... And I don't know if there's... <laughs> if the series award will kind of fix that, or if the Hugos just needs to, like, get some kind of version of, like, the Lifetime Achievement Award, and just every year they can award another big group of books or an author for a body of work or I don't know but this just seems like potential for some yeah I think mm, it's not cool not necessarily being as well thought out as people think Mm -hmm. it is but then that's why they do experimental awards Mm -hmm. I was just saying to be fair we don't know if it because if it doesn't go well yeah it won't be like what happens mm -hmm. I'm sure because are you guys going to Helsinki are you guys going this year yes okay so you'll have to keep us posted on how that particular award is shaping up and kind of what the word on the street is. Because I'm interested, because it'll be, it has to go well this year before it's like officially Mm. added into the Hugos as like a long-term thing. It's one I'm tempted to actually go to the business meeting to discuss because I have thoughts. I had so much fun at the business meeting. I am such a geek for like parliamentary procedure that I was like, yes, please. It was so good. (laughs) It was great. Oh, man. Uh, But okay, well, then that let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit. Um, For those of you who didn't see it, I don't even know how long ago it was because time has turned into what is time. Um, But it was it was probably at least a solid (laughs) month ago. But there was a. It called itself a review (laughs) of the (laughs) November-December issue of Uncanny Magazine. But here's the thing. It wasn't. It was just some, like, whiny special snowflake vitriol about, like, how social justice warriors 
want like safe spaces and how we should just like be okay with a lot of really shitty things that happen and you know what is art and why do we even bother to which uncanny responded beautifully by saying fuck that noise um and they just got a lot of really good support and they got a a lot of really good people coming out of the woodwork and supporting them for that so we wanted to talk about a little bit one because we love uncanny and uh we just want to say if you come for uncanny you come for us, so you best come correct. <laughs> and uh, also, that was just me. The other ladies didn't know I was going to say that. So you can ready. come for me and come correct, specifically. <laughs> um, but also just it, it's it kind of gotten to this idea of how we write about things and how we talk about things that we don't like and where the line is between satire. Because the whole thing was the, the, the review was self-name like it called itself a sarcastic review but that wasn't like what was happening it was just transphobic bigoted and mean like there was no Mm -hmm. reviewing of the writing it was just the content i don't like it you're all stupid and it was like okay Mm -hmm. you this isn't good writing either this is tragically bad and just yeah stupid like it just they they posted just a really nice like uncanny just posted a really nice there was a very unpleasant review this person will no longer be receiving review copies and everybody mm-hmm. went and found what it was and just it was it just made everybody so angry i think and it was fantastic seeing that blossoming of like support for them because it made it really visible how much love there is for what uncanny are doing and how needed mm-hmm. they are in the community mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do. And they handled it really well. Like, I will say they didn't do any like subtweeting. They did not link to the article. They didn't, you know, kind of call to arms their supporters. They just mentioned that this particular reviewer was no longer going to be receiving review copies. But because they do such good work and they've made such loyal fans, everybody was like, wait, what? People are talking (laughs) shit about Uncanny and went and tracked it down. I was one of those people. I was like. Nuh-uh, not in my house. (laughs) And then it was really, really great. And um, I don't know for a fact, I haven't talked to anybody from Uncanny, but I'm hoping that maybe they at least got a couple more dollars out of it. They did. They they posted about it. Didn't it, like, really boost? They got a boost up to their next level, so they were able to put in at least an extra poem per issue, I think it was. Yeah, I remember. So you want to know what happens, trolls, when you come at us? We get stronger, and we just put more of that stuff that you hate so much back out into the world. So So it was a Thanks for that, dude. (laughs) Yeah, a lovely little glimmer of hope in a bit of a crappy place right yes. <laughs> oh yes oh and, god and uh speaking of making more art on the side <laughs> somebody's yes, been uh... cheating on our podcast cheating on our podcast it's not right <laughs> i but, know uh, guilty guilty you. is charged um what my two lovely lady friends are talking about is the sisterhood of the traveling paperbacks which is Another podcast that I have committed myself to because, you know, I have tons of time. I just have free time just sitting around. It just droves of it because that's a thing. 
Um, but it is Kay Taylor Ray, who is actually a slush reader for Uncanny, and then Claire Russo, who is a booktuber and a kind of culture critic like I am, and we talk about genre fiction. So we don't have kind of the same yearly requirements that we do here uh, at Pussycats headquarters, but we talk about anything that's not literary fiction, essentially. So it's nice. It's a, just a different kind of thing and you know cool ladies talking about books i'm always here for that yes we are oh, actually supremely excited by chelsea's new project and love listening to it already because it's fantastic and made up of three of our favorite people oh yes. thanks guys you're so sweet. i have listened to all of the episodes already <laughs> and i'm eagerly awaiting the next one yes and just more Woo. goodness in the world because who doesn't yes. need that yeah, we will well, all of that stuff in the thing, the show notes, so that you can find it and follow it. Perfect. And I guess then, now that we've talked about all the good things in the world, <laughs> should we talk about Foreigner? Should <laughs> oh we? Should what we talk segue. about this book? <laughs> well, I mean, I just see this is why I'm not describing the book itself because I just feel like that would be unfair to the book. Caitlin, yeah. why don't you give, give you us a, your little your recap as to what this book's about? Okay, so Foreigner is a science fiction by C.J. Cherry. It came out in, when was it? The 90s, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's the first book in a huge long series. I think there are 18 books currently out. So we unknowingly went into this book all kind of thinking it would be a fairly space opera kind of book, I think. That's how the, it's kind of pitched. The blurb describes it as alien like first contact yeah first yeah. contact the, so the, that's you know, kind the of the expectation world. we all had going in and initially it does begin kind of like that we're following this big spaceship with loads of people on it it's going to try and set up a colony in space they're traveling a long way <laughs> in space um and unfortunately they somehow managed to get lost and they run out of fuel and the only place that they can find that they can get fuel is this planet they're not too far from which is already inhabited by aliens so they pull up to this planet and steal their resources and uh refuel you know as you do resources in space they, they steal not not the planets yeah, yeah they, they steal like the, the um yeah. and then once they've done that they manage to send off their ship again but a lot of the people stay behind because they've already kind of established a bit of a base by the time that they're ready to send it off again and a lot of the people there start to travel down to the world itself that they have come uh, and sort of set up their colony at. And that's where the first contact bit comes in. And we do see a little bit of that in the very beginning. Then we kind of skip forwards like 200 years and we see that there's been big epic wars between the alien race who inhabits the planet and the people that we are following. And they've had basically loads of wars which have resulted in the humans not really coming out on top and a lot of discord between the two so the point where we pick up the main story if you can call it that um is where we follow this man who is an interpreter for the humans and he can go down to the planet and he can speak to the aliens and speak to the humans and kind of report between the two and try and come up with trade and things like that. So that's basically his job. And from that point onwards, we're following him on essentially a diplomatic mission that goes wrong. Um, 
and it just becomes a mess. Like a big, <laughs> big mess. Yeah. <laughs> All that big preamble happens in the yeah. first 60 pages, right? And yeah. this I was book say... is 400 and something, 400 and, mm-hmm. and like 20-ish pages. So mm-hmm. the first 60 pages is all the space stuff, all the first contact, and then we jump into the All the stuff the that sounds good. For <laughs> 400 pages. Yeah, like here's my thing with this book. Like it's got great PR because that book that Caitlin just described, I would love to read that book. But that book <laughs> yeah. is not the just book the that we just finished reading. Book. I know. Like all the cool plot parts that you hear about Foreigner are like the first 100 pages. Mm. And then it's a whole, di- like that's, my thing, the book felt very disjointed. Like mm-hmm. it felt like it was the yeah. start of a space opera first contact book. And then the like she took the middle of a high fantasy novel and then just ended it by being like, end the end. And so I'm just, what is happening with this book, you guys? What is going on yeah. with this book? It, it was very strange. And she sort of, there was a little intro in the edition that I've got because it's like the 10 year celebratory mm-hmm. edition mm-hmm. and they're talking about like she was encouraged to write that first bit um and, and then expand on it and turn it into a story and mm. and I was like okay it was good but I kind of wanted you to write that story that keep, keep <laughs> yeah. writing it tell me about the first contact and the war and how yeah. that happened and the technicalities mm-hmm. because that was fascinating because it was like you've got these humans that have come down to earth and from the space station the space station decays because the they no longer have the technology because the the spaceship people have flown off from the space station mm-hmm. so they're stuck mm-hmm. on this planet having a war that they have that they're losing and it's just fascinating mm-hmm. but you get yeah. none of it none of it I'm not going to lie, I listened to the audiobook of this and when it changed from that sort of intro scene with all the stuff going on into Mm -hmm. this guy just like having meetings with aliens, I was like convinced I downloaded one of those audiobooks where it's (laughs) fucked in the middle and like everything goes wrong. I was like checking my audiobook like, hang on, wait, have I just got one of those books that's messed up where like they've missed a chunk or (laughs) what what is going on? Because it was so abrupt, like so Mm -hmm. abrupt. Yeah, it really was. And it's not like Caitlin and I both really like high fantasy. I think it's Mm. fair to say far more than Elizabeth does, just Mm. like in general. But this, it would be one thing if she'd like started this, like, you know, space tale, like hard SF first contact story and then switched to a good high fantasy novel after that. But like, this really strong premise and like setting up this cool like relationship of the people on the planet to the space station and like all of that really good setup really fucking boring in the high fantasy stuff yeah like, mm. really boring yeah really boring and so long and repetitive yeah um it's, so repetitive. it's kind of promoted as anthropological science fiction which you know i've read one of cherry's other books down below station and i can see that in that but that was much more for me more interesting it was still slow and complex Mm -hmm. and built like over time but it i don't know this just it just turned into a subpar lord of the rings prancing Mm -hmm. around the countryside being depressed Yeah. yeah Yeah. basically and uh yeah that's my big problem with lord of the rings too so when because these both ladies finished it before i did and when elizabeth told me that that's what it reminded her of i was like well 
shit. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, I'm yeah. currently reading Lord of the Rings, and I'm not sure which one I preferred, to be fair. Like, I'm still on book two of Lord of the Rings. My first time trying to get through. I actually you. successfully completed the first book after, like, three times trying. So that's how much I don't like Lord of the Rings. And then and uh, was, this like, book is kind yeah, of similar to that. It's, it's, pretty bad. it's a hard I was feeling necessary read. to like defend myself for Lord of the Rings and been like, no, I really did. Like I've tried so many times to read this book. Oh, like too, people get very like <laughs> at you if yeah, you yeah. are like not cool Lord <laughs> of the Rings. So I always want to be like, no guys, I've tried. It's just not for me. Yeah, yeah. it's a hard one. And they're both but. just they both fall into the same traps. It's like a book that does not need to be this long for the amount of stuff that realistically happens like actual mm-hmm. plot points actual moments that really matter there's so few in that 300 page middle section mm-hmm. that it just was kind of pointless and there's so yeah. many moments where i felt like i was just reading a boy whining in his diary like yeah. that's what it felt like it really to me. yeah read basically like <laughs> And, and, and it so all many... happened over like a few Ugh. days and he just goes riding with this old lady and then people are trying to look after him and he's getting paranoid and that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's literally yeah. it. And like, again, I know first book in like an 18 book series, but oh wow. that gets back to the argument of like, I understand you're setting up a world and like, you know, that's how series work, but also yeah, you but need you to do better with Chelsea, your first book. From what I understand, they don't even stay on this world. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's not get carried away. Yeah. Apparently they travel well, off yeah, into space fair. after that. So, yeah, so yeah. Caitlin was telling us, and I guess after this one, it's like mm, interpreter and old lady go on space adventures and solve <laughs> mysteries. And I would read those novels. Yeah, but then I feel like that, I was lied but... to with this one. Yeah, you say that, what? but you don't know if that's actually what happens, given what yeah, they said happened. That could just be the 60-page introduction. True. I was just yeah. about to say, because I was sold on this one as a first contact novel, and that's bullshit, so... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe Cherry just got a really good PR team. Like, <laughs> really good blurbs for her books. <laughs> then, I mean, what those middle bits were trying to do, let's, let's, try, let's try and spin this positively. Yeah, okay. Let's, yeah. Um, what the middle bits were trying to do was talk about how aliens and humans might interact. So even after an extended mm-hmm. period of time, they've been on this planet for hundreds of years, and mm-hmm. obviously they were at war for a substantial portion of that. But they have mm-hmm. dictionaries of interactions. They are trading technology and resources. They are inhabiting the same world. But they still find it hard to communicate and to find mm-hmm. commonalities. So mm-hmm. the Atavi communicate basically in numbers, as far as I can tell. Like, numbers mm-hmm. mean everything to them. And they yeah, don't have a direct so clean correlations to like liking and loving people. They have loyalty mm-hmm. to a leader. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah. It's know, all very militaristic. It's all very, mm. very... I'm trying to... Th- not combatively based, but yeah, it's as opposed to I love this person. It's I am loyal it's to them as emotional. the leader of my family. There's like, no yeah, there's just not... There's a, to it. Which, you know, the humans are still humans, so... Yeah. Me being people of emotions, that tends to lead to some it, it conflict. Was, yeah, so. it was yeah. fascinating the moments in between the whining when yeah. <laughs> Bren was having these moments where he would be like realizing that he was trying to place an understanding over what one of the Atavi were doing in yeah. human terms. And he mm-hmm. would try and be like, You like me, you are doing this because you like me. And they would just be baffled. Yeah. And and then 
it would get really misunderstood and they would get offended and then he would get upset and it was like he had to co- totally detach many. himself from his yeah. human sort of side mm-hmm. and i yeah i always think that that's interesting like language in especially sff and like first contact stuff is always really fascinating like mm. that's why i think everyone really loved arrival that's why everybody's really mm. kind of that anthropological science fiction is I think a category that does usually fairly well with readers, but to me it's extra complicated in this book because it's not just a translation of one word into a different word. It's the, like you were saying, Elizabeth, the creation of lenses of understanding and sentiments that like don't exist. Like it's mm-hmm. not even like the Atevi are like, no, it's not that, it's this word. It's like, we don't understand what you're talking about. Like we yeah, have no, yeah. this concept it's is no not concept. one that exists for us. And so it adds a different, level of inter like of importance to the interpreter because like you were saying he realizes he has to like he is putting his own spin on or manipulation of what's happening in order to come to an understanding as a human being and mm-hmm. that will shade the way he passes that information yeah. in between the parties he's interpreting for and i mean that's yeah, his exactly. foreigner status he he's the foreigner mm-hmm. um in the atevi world because he's the only human that comes off the human sort of settlement to talk mm-hmm. to them but also i liked it towards the end this is the little bits i liked you know where he's remembering and realizing that when he goes back to the human colonies he doesn't fit in anymore mm. he becomes mm-hmm. that you know highline-esque stranger in a strange land yeah. in in yeah. the human world because he's no longer mm-hmm. able to fluently like get along as a human being he's too alien for the atebi mm-hmm. but he's too atebi for the humans for the humans yeah do, do we want to mention at all that the atebi are a tall fierce um black race yeah. of aliens yeah. being invaded by some white humans in space yeah <laughs> I kind of found that. I mean, I feel like that's, I feel like we can just drop that box there and leave it. Like, that's, that's a thing that happens. Mm. And also they did the, I feel like this did the typical thing of homogenizing an alien culture. So there's the human culture, which is one thing. And it's so clearly like white Western based. Yeah. Like, even if it's not made explicit, it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the alien culture was like this mishmash of like not white Western culture. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. like, you know, their skin is black and it was made so explicit that this was so alien. And I was thinking, why would that be so alien? Like, did you not have yeah. black people on the like space mission to colonize another yeah. planet? Have you oh, really yes. gotten that? Have you gotten far enough into space to launch interstellar travel, but also somehow there are no longer black people? Like, yeah. what is this world? Yeah, and then <laughs> like their cultural things that they did were very reminiscent of, I felt like, uh, old movies that talk try to like depict Chinese culture yeah, like the Chinese courtly system with the ribbons on scrolls and mm-hmm. things like that yeah. so it was obviously meant to be historical like almost Victorian-esque but also mm. exotic I'm using a lot yeah, of hand gestures like, at this point yeah, yeah lots of scare quotes around exotic <laughs> and all those things yeah exotic in like the words and the names and stuff too like the way that they attach extra bits onto their words to mean other things completely stolen from eastern cultures obviously so it's all all the foreign stuff for the aliens which like this book was published 
it was published in 94 and I feel yeah. like it feels older than that. It does. It yeah. Does. Like we've read does. some stuff from like the 70s that feels more prescient mm. and more definitely like relatable than this does and this is like a little bit more than a couple decades old. Like, yeah. I feel like it's maybe just very it was trying to, you know, do that. Look, we do this in the real world where we try and Mm -hmm. make another culture understandable and they do things so differently that we cannot use the same terms mm -hmm. yeah but it just felt clunky in that it did it from that same sort of that one perspective yeah Mm -hmm. and it's very which i mean we should talk about the cover i guess a little bit oh my god (laughs) because it relates to that like this Uh. guys we'll put an actual we'll put like the picture of the 10th anniversary cover in the show notes because it's yeah. so epic in our notes but, i just put as a thing to talk about that cover art in capital that letters. cover art yeah, because this is like is some thing. prime sff and it gets to the whole kind of what we were just talking about because it's literally a picture of our interpreter it's a picture of brian in the middle it's kind of a short statured man in all, in all white white skin white hair white coat being surrounded by two very tall, very pointy, very elfin black aliens. And so it's yep. just very... With guns. On Big the nose. Guns. With guns. Big guns. And long braids. And just like yeah. very clearly native in scare quotes with the capital N. And so it just gets... Mm. It's, a, I think, very descriptive of what the book's about. Maybe unintentionally? Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, also, the, the outfits are just—they're just, just so, like I want to know yeah. what is the, what are these like padded coats that they're wearing? It's like, like no, they're I'm wearing crocodiles, black. Crocodiles. But they're meant to be like assassins, and they're wearing leather, which I'm sorry is not an assassin kind kind of. No, have you ever put leather on? It is it's so very loud. Squeaky. Yeah. It's very squeaky and very hot, and like I just feel like not conducive to like doing active assassin type things mm. but then and maybe they have like alien of... leather that we don't know about because we don't have yeah the technology. maybe this like... is just like their formal gear and then they like strip down <laughs> to their assassin wear that's maybe that's what's happening <laughs> but guess what guys all of this is just bullshit that we're making up because we have no idea from this cover it's just so ridiculous it's just there's lots of He's... horses in the background as well is that what those are yeah well, i've just noticed that, that it's horses. a really creepy horses looking at you can you see them they're like scary in the background yeah <laughs> I like, I like Bren's them. little man purse. Like, where these aliens have giant guns. He's like, I have my messenger bag. Yeah. Well, no, he has the messenger bag in the book, so it is relevant. I know. I just like yeah. that that made it on the cover. Yeah. I mean, when I first saw this book, I was like, how does this relate to the book? Like, what? what is this cover about? It looks insanely stupid. And now I'm like, nope, the book is like this too. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, the cover, <laughs> the cover fits the book kind of shockingly well. Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna lie, guys. I did actually <laughs> like the book. Okay, I didn't hate it as much as you two. Like, I think because I listened to it on audio really mm-hmm. quickly because that's what I do, and I just like immersed in it. If you know what I mean, I didn't take breaks. Mm-hmm. I just immersed in it. So every day on my commute, I was listening to it. And I think that in terms of her writing, I think there were some lines that I did like, and there were some things that she was discussing that I did really like. I just think it was too long, too whiny, and yeah. a bit of a mess at places, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. I like what so. she was doing about, you know, trying to bring in the anthropological element of it, because I, I guess, yeah. in terms of old science fiction, because it's, 
going back to the early 90s it was a very different time in yeah. i guess in what was being published and what was common mm-hmm. and what was celebrated um, yeah and so she's talking about the importance of like the soft science fiction again with the scare mm-hmm. quotes because there's a really great bit in the beginning where it's very hard sci-fi and we're talking about spaceships and like what happened and whatever mm-hmm. and then there's the fight between the people who are who were like descended from the people who drove the spaceship so like the pilot yeah. and the crew and then those who were descended from the passengers and yeah, I really who, wish she'd gotten into that. Yeah, that like, was I really wish she'd gotten into that. Because those who were descended from the passengers studied the non-hard sci-fi subjects. Mm-hmm. So the, the pilot crew descendants all studied physics and space and astrophysics and, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. what makes a ship How go. to navigate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody else studied biology and chemistry and everything else. And so yeah. you've got this divide, and she talks about the importance of it, you know? And, and how this hierarchy came in and how the guild, the pilots people, like, looked down on everybody else. And it felt like such a great analogy for that hard, mm-hmm. soft sci-fi divide. And then you have this, like, how it turns out that if you do end up on a planet, and obviously what happens in the rest of the series implied, you know, when you're dealing with alien races, that you're going to need all those other sciences. Yeah, and that exactly. if you just focus on the hard sci-fi like subjects you're missing out on everything that makes Mm -hmm. the rest of the world work you can't just stay in space and pretend that there's nothing else around you Mm -hmm. and i do think i really liked the way that she described right in the very beginning the method of transport and like Mm. navigating the ship it reminded me very much so of um becky chambers and the long way to a small angry planet and ohan and how the ohan work and navigate through like these wormholes and just kind of like because it's a single person who's essentially kind of permanently plugged into the navigational computer Mm. like he is functioning as kind of an extension of the computer and he's given a set of coordinates but then he goes Why to those coordinates and like shit goes book, wrong. Guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, like all of this conversation is literally like the first hundred pages, like, and then we're just fucking basically ignoring the rest of the book because like it got boring. It's as good as it is. It's yeah. just oh, it's so annoying that we didn't get that because it's like yeah. teased, and yeah. that's mm-hmm. I think the problem. I do wonder if in the second and third and all the rest of the books, yeah. like maybe when some elements of that are going to come in because they yeah, talked about like how they probably do yeah like the atevi understand numbers and they live numbers and they were having difficulty with like human computing because it's a different system of numbers and to mm-hmm. them two is like a bad number and binary functions on the one zero pair so it's it's like going to be really difficult but then the pilots like we were just saying basically like swim through numbers yeah. to pilot the ship and I was thinking oh that would be so cool if you got to see the interaction between the two <laughs> it's just like but you don't you get but a, you don't you, you get 300 I feel like this whole book is like diary. oh it would be so cool if and then nothing happens yeah like this book yeah. is like a hundred percent premise like zero percent delivery yeah yeah so, but so that's far enough <laughs> but I, and I will say I will one. give credit had I read this book at a different time when I was less 14. outwardly distracted by the world burning down around us Ugh. i might have been able to focus a little bit more on that so like i won't put it all on foreigner but i'm gonna put like 75 percent of it on foreigner because oh, this book was real real boring yeah i think it had lots and lots of interesting concepts that i really mm-hmm. appreciated and could appreciate mm-hmm. you know having discussions about it now but yeah. mm-hmm. the majority of the book was rubbish <laughs> 
Yeah, the actual like <laughs> like the words on the page of inside the book. Not so much. Yeah. Not, not I really enjoyed surprise. that beginning sci-fi part. I really, mm-hmm. really did. And then yeah, if we had had that and the end, and maybe just <laughs> a little bit, those couple of good bits from the middle, and had like a three hundred fifty-ish page book. Time is weird. Book. I just realized you got sixty pages to cover about five hundred years. And then yeah. you have 300 pages to cover what, For as far as I can days. tell, it's about three days. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not weird. Long. It's not good pacing. This it's is not so great. strange. It's not great. But yeah. Well, oh, the, all right, guys. Well, that's Foreigner that's by CJ Cherry. <laughs> Definitely go pick it up. I mean, you know, glowing recommendations all around. Yeah. I mean, if you want to tell us that the rest of the series is great, then Caitlin might read it, but I'm not going there. I have Yeah, I'm not going guys. to either. I'm and to. for those who I've have read it and loved it, Good for you guys. I'm glad it brought you joy. But mm. I think, in general, for the Magical Space Pussycats, this one did not quite yeah, it flopped. fully it flopped. hit the mark. Yes. Yeah. And there were no ladies in it, let's be, let's just face it. Yeah, I find I mean, it really, yeah. like, I'm not trying to say, like, it all has to be different, but I find it very telling that, like, the one comparison, really, that we've made for this book is a classic fantasy tome written yeah. by an old white dude like there's a little <laughs> bit of like some kind of cognitive dissonance going on there for me mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah and the one the one woman who is in it jago the female bodyguard I, I i read the wikipedia entry she becomes his girlfriend and it's just like oh, oh of course she sake. does oh wait there's elisa d there's elisa d but stupid oh, she's name. a bit of a she can't be the girlfriend because she's the old stereotypical lady. ones as well though that she anyway good anyway characters. what are we gonna read next and hope yes. oh, anyway, change the pace so <laughs> after this we are because of the world and the awards that are all going on and everybody feeling just like they could use a little bit of a breather we're gonna do something a little different we're actually gonna read a middle grade novel for this next one um, so we are reading Oversea and Under Stone by Susan Cooper, which is the first book in the Dark is Rising series. Yeah. And it was first published in 1965. Um, and it is essentially about the three Drew children. And they find an ancient map in the attic of a house that they're staying in. Um, and wouldn't you know, it happens to not only be a like ancient map, but it's also the key to the grail, um, as in the grail the yeah. holy one and king arthur um, is involved you know somehow. arthur all of that fighting darkness uh so as as all children who find ancient maps do they go out to find what's up like they go looking for the x on the treasure map and i'm assuming get into some shenanigans and have to fight some evil baddies and do all of those fun things um, but yeah, so that is Overseen yeah. Under Stone. We are excited to not only read some fantasy escapades, but also to find something that is pitched for kind of younger middle grade readers, especially at a time when middle grade was not a thing that existed as like a publishing category. So join us for that. But before we officially sign off, we are, of course, going to talk about what we are currently reading. So, Caitlin. Your yes. turn. I'm going to put you on the spot. What are you reading? Um, well, I'm reading The Two Towers, obviously, as I mentioned. I'm near the end of that. <laughs> we got That's through all, all I'm going to say. Good on you. <laughs> like, hey, long silence. Yeah. It's well, okay. I, mean, you know, I think the third it. one is, is... You know, I really like um, Smeagol, and that's the only character that I really connect with. So Aww. I'm a bit worried about myself, yeah. really. I guess um, the point Caitlin, he's the with the baddies. Guy. 
Yeah, I'm just like, like I don't want to spoil this for you, but he's the bad guy. And take guy. the ring off them and like just you know betray them. And I wish he would succeed because I feel really bad for poor Smeagol. <laughs> so oh, anyway, I don't think I've ever understood. heard anyone root for Smeagol before. I'm really like, in terms of who they want him. to see come like, out I on top really of the like ring. I really like him, and I want him to because his story's okay. really sad. I know guys. it's really sad. But okay, <laughs> so. did you guys see that picture that circulated on social media of like all of the Lord of the Rings guys back together? It was like yes. Orlando Bloom and. Yeah, Elijah Wood and all the hobbits and I was just like I had so many of their pictures on my bedroom wall when I was in like the eighth ninth grade so that was a fun little flashback but is that all you're reading that's all I would be reading that book is fucking (laughs) no um I'm also reading Blood Upon the Sand which is the second Bradley Bolia book which I think Mm -hmm. just came out um so I'm reading that and I'm really enjoying that one I'm about halfway through and I just finished the Chronicles of St. Mary series by Jodie oh, Taylor. I've lovely. just read all of them and I'm like, oh God, I don't know what to do now because I've run out of like the light, fun, amazing, <laughs> fun <laughs> series that have been like keeping me all bubbly. There are some yeah. series that are just pure joy to read and you just it's can't like resist. Marie Brennan, Is that Gail the Carragher, one damn Emma thing Newman. after another? Is that yeah. the first book in that series? Yeah, I have that one. I'm really excited to get to oh, it. Oh, it's so much yeah, fun. Yeah, it's a really good I series. I would recommend so trying some uh, Lindsay Baroka. That's what I've been reading for my fun. Oh, yeah, I think I saw She's you. Really yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm mostly just reading Two Towers and Blood Upon the Sand, but those are the two I'm going to focus on tonight for the cozy reading night. So hopefully Yay. I'll finish them and start something new. Yeah. What about Which, you guys? Yeah, what are you reading, Elizabeth? I know you just told us you were reading one of the things you're reading. Um, I Oh, I just finished one of the Lindsay Baroque books. Yes, again, I find myself having just finished everything <laughs> because I had to literally finish everything else I was reading to make myself finish Foreigner because I kept distracting Me too. <laughs> Me too. I had to be like, no. I resorted, oh, no. guys, I had to resort to something I haven't done since college, which just, you know, a little pro tip. Um get yourself a little M&M or a Skittle every five pages. <laughs> you know, that's how I used to get through all of the reading I didn't want to do in college. And that's how I got through the middle 300 pages of this book. So why didn't you tell us that earlier? That was not such a good idea. I'm just golden. But anyway, so what are you getting ready to start then? I well, guess. last night I finally, when I finished it, I let myself read the first chapter of Monstrous so it's a graphic novel by marjorie lou and i am thoroughly enjoying it so far it is beautiful like my mm. god that art is gorgeous it's yeah. super dark um but gorgeous just all women as far as i can tell and mm-hmm. like yeah. magic and mayhem and war and just horror but like gorgeous and cats it's so Oh, and with two tails and three tails and so many. You haven't got to the end of the volume yet, no. have you? There's a lesson from a cat at the end of the volume. I look like, forward to it. And I hate so cats, but I loved these cats. I love yeah. these cats. These cats are so good. And I like cats, so I was in love with them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm very much enjoying it, and I can see why everybody raves about it, because it is beautiful. Yay. I was going to say, it's beautiful as, like, like art like I haven't visually found a graphic novel I thought was as appealing since like mm, the Wicked and the nice. Divine Ooh. not volume three Wicked and the Divine with the <laughs> yeah. original <No>. creative team <laughs> yeah 
Good times. Okay, Chelsea, what are you reading? All right. Uh, well, I am reading two things. They're both on audio because I am doing a lot of crafting at the moment. Ooh, but I am nice. listening to The Girl of Fire and Thorns by Ray Carson, Ooh. which is the first book in a series of the same name. Um, and it them. is amazing. Okay. It is young adult fantasy that has a um, like Spanish twist on it like it's it's okay. very much so world built in like a very kind of pre-modernity Hispania kind of setting and the protagonist is fat and it's awesome it's so good <laughs> like it is made a point that she is like a big girl and she's cool with that and like it's fine the book is really doing a lot of great things with like body positivity and like it's That's not good. made yeah it's great like it's not made like, a negative so that she's fat <laughs> Yeah, like, but it's, you know, like when she's getting ready for a dress and she's got to like squeeze all that shit together and like breathe in and all that. Like, I know how that feels. So it's just very we all like know relatable. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing I'm reading, because I don't know if y'all saw Across the Pond, but Mitch McConnell done fucking stepped in it when he went after Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. And there's that whole she persisted thing. Oh, God, I love uh, yeah, I've seen that. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. I just like he wrote her campaign slogan. She should like cut him a royalty check when she runs for president. But that happened like on the same day that my hold for Sisters-in-Law came up. Sisters-in-Law is, is a book that's all about Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and ladies on the Supreme Court and it's fucking baller. Um, nice. <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg is like a personal folk hero of mine and I didn't know as much about Sandra Day O'Connor but I am just always here for books about badass women in politics doing badass things uh, especially now more so than ever yeah. before. So. That's what I'm reading. That's what we are reading. Thank you guys so much for coming back and joining us. Um, let us know if you have thoughts about Foreigner. We are, of course, always open to hearing differing opinions. Um, if you yeah. have some piece of key information we're missing that will um, enlighten us all, then please feel free to share. Otherwise, come back and join us next time. Hit us up on all of our social medias or drop us an email. And we will see you guys in about six weeks for The Darkness Rising. Yeah. All right. Bye, yeah. guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.